Well, this morning, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving, even before it gets here. Um, and I'll say, you all are looking mighty fine today. You're looking good. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, what's cooking good looking? Just do that. What's cooking is pumpkin pie on Randy's head. Anyway, if you're single for that, you can thank me later about that. Anyway, this coming week, once again, we're going to celebrate our National Day of Thanksgiving. For many, it's going to mean a lot of football and a lot of food. Many of us are going to gather with our in-laws. Some of us are going to gather with our outlaws. Um, how many in here are going to uh, go to two family Thanksgiving dinners? You're going to have lunch at one and maybe dinner at the other. That makes us real thankful for stretchy pants. Amen? But this Thursday is Thanksgiving. And have you ever wondered why it is that we have to be reminded? We have to set a day, one day a year, to be thankful. Shouldn't we be thankful every day of the year? Shouldn't we? Unfortunately, a lot of times, because we're only human... We don't always remember to do what we should, especially when it comes to giving thanks. So I want to start out with the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 today. The Apostle Paul writes this. Um, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Remember that part. With thanksgiving... Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, hey, bring your prayers, bring your request, but put thanksgiving in the middle of it all. I think he deliberately put the word thanksgiving in the middle of this whole verse, because we're to bring our prayers and our requests, but we're to come with thanksgiving, with thankful hearts. Anyway, several years ago, I saw a story on Christian TV about a man that received a terrible diagnosis in his health. Um, one day he woke, to, woke up and he noticed his skin was orange. He was jaundiced and he thought, well, I was a heavy drinker in my 30s and 40s. Maybe it's all just now catching up with me. Maybe I've got cirrhosis of the liver. So he made it a doctor's appointment. He went to the doctor and he said, doc, I think I've got cirrhosis of the liver. Um, the doc said, well, maybe, but maybe not. Let me do some further tests to see if there's something else going on. So he did the test, and within in an hour, the doctor came back and says, uh, no, it's not cirrhosis of the liver. You've got pancreatic cancer. He said, the tumor on your pancreas has grown so large that it's pushing pressure against your liver and shutting down your liver. He told him to call his family. This is serious. Call your family, get your affairs in order, because you have weeks, if not days, to live. Well, this guy began a, a series of oral chemo treatments that uh, seemed to put it at bay for a little while, give him a little bit more time. But the man said shortly after that first diagnosis, he went to a church. And the preacher just happened to be preaching on gratitude, being thankful. And he said it was so hard to be thankful after you've just received such a devastating diagnosis. But after he thought about it, he said, no matter how much time I have, I'm going to try it. So he started being thankful for even the little things, for the clothes that he was wearing, for the food on his table, uh, for the material things he had, uh, for his roof over his head, for the car that he drove, for his family, his friends, his job. He started being thankful, and all of a sudden he realized he's seeing things through different eyes. He's seeing things in a different way that he had ever seen them before. 
He's actually seeing them in, a, in, a, uh, in an eternal light, different than he had ever seen before. And then he realized, how I live my life now has a profound effect on the next life. How I live my life right now and the anticipation of the next life has an even more profound effect on how I live right now and the life God has given me. So he says, even with my diagnosis, it's amazing. He's already put his headstone, or he went out and bought his headstone, and on it he inscribed this little message, and I think this is pretty profound. And This is the actual headstone. He says, forgive me for the days I was not grateful. I've been to a lot of cemeteries, done a lot of funerals, but I've never seen that on a headstone. Forgive me for the days I was not grateful. Asked why he put that on his headstone. He said, well, in that one sentence, it uh, tells the problem. The problem was, I was not grateful, and it includes the solution, forgive me. And he says, that's the message I want to carry on even after my death. I don't know if this man realized it or not, but ingratitude is something that we all need to be forgiven of. Amen? Ingratitude. The New Testament repeatedly tells us as men and women of God to be thankful, to be grateful. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, to give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't just say give thanks when things are going well, when things are good. He says give thanks in all situations and in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We all realize we live in this world, and the circumstances of our lives can be really bad sometimes totally bad sometimes. But that scripture tells us regardless, we're supposed to still look for things to be thankful for. We're supposed to still look and believe me, if you look, there's a whole lot to be thankful for in this life. It's kind of like the little story I heard about this woman who was out shoveling snow after they had had a snow that night. She was cleaning off her driveway and she stopped long enough to uh, uh, say hello to her neighbor that was pulling out of his driveway going to work. He rolled down his window and he says, where's your husband to be out here helping you with the chore? She looked at him and she says, well, one of us needed to stay inside with the children. So we drew straws to see who was going to come out and scoop snow. And uh, the guy said, well, sorry about your bad luck. She goes, bad luck? Hey, I won. <laughs> Some of you might get that a little bit later. <laughs> Back to the scripture, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstance. I th circumstances. I think Jesus even takes it further and says, hey, this is not a, uh, a suggestion. This is actually a command. This isn't a suggestion. This is what I want you to do in your life. This is what I want for your life, to give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what's going on. And by the way, if we're not giving thanks, guess what that's called? Disobedience. And guess what disobedience is also called in the Bible? sin. You might be sitting here thinking, wait a minute, are you telling me just because I'm not thankful I'm sinning? I'm not telling you that. I believe the Word of God is telling you that. And I think too many times we categorize sins. Big sins over here and little sins here. And a lot of times if I would ask you, I would think we would probably classify the ungratefulness, not being thankful over here in the little sin category, the JV team uh, type of sin, not the varsity type of sin, but the JV team where we're just complaining a little bit now and then, we're thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal for me to complain, and we kind of dismiss it. Well, today I'm going to show you a scripture that proves that it is a real big deal, and especially to God. It's found in the book of Numbers. 
It's in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 14. We're going to look at an example that's shown where, in a story that we're all familiar with, of how God looks on the uh, sin of ingratitude or not being grateful. Uh, so see, uh, to see how serious God is about this whole thing, I want to look at the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. We all know that story, right? The Israelites came out of Egyptian slavery. Remember when God sent ten plagues to uh, Pharaoh and to Egypt to force Pharaoh to let him go. Remember when God split the Red Sea. Remember when God put Moses in charge to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. The Bible says they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years when it should have been an 11-day journey. 40 years of wandering when it could have been an 11-day journey. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness, I believe, because they had a wilderness mentality. I define wilderness mentality as the wrong mindset. Do you realize if we go through life with the wrong mindset, it can take us in all the wrong directions? It can, it can guide us in all the wrong places? Um, they had this attitude. God's own people had this attitude of complaining. They were never happy, never seeing the positive, always seeing the negative, never putting their faith and their trust in God. Not ever seeing God's real blessing, long story short, they just weren't grateful for anything. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. I would say God gave them kind of a holy whipping right there because of their attitude of uh, lack of gratitude, because of that kind of attitude. Then in verse 4, they're complaining about their food. God was feeding them manna from heaven. And I guess they weren't happy with these heavenly lucky charms that they were eating every day. Look what it says in Numbers 11, verse 4. The rabble with them. That rabble they're talking about is actually a mixed crowd of Egyptians and others that followed them out of Egypt. I like what the message version calls it, the riffraff. So let me start that again. So the rabble or the riffraff began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite and we never see anything but this derned old manna. How many remember the Brady Bunch? Anybody remember that show if you do, you're old like me. Uh, remember Jan, the mother, when she'd get upset with Marcia, what would she say? Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. Well, these Israelites are saying to God, manna, manna, manna. Amen. They're upset with God. He's not quite carrying out what they think should be done. Here's the thing about being around a complainer. They're like an infection that can spread from one person and eventually affect an entire community. Remember that word riffraff? It just started with a few. It just started with one or two, but before long, everybody was complaining. Do you realize that's how complaining works? It might start small, but it doesn't stay small. It grows and it grows and it multiplies and it multiplies. Think about it. If one family member comes over to your Thanksgiving dinner and has a negative attitude, guess what? It can bring down the whole dinner. Amen? If you've got one negative or two negative employees on the job site, it can bring down the whole company. 
pretty soon everybody's complaining. Nobody's happy. It might just be a couple of people in your neighborhood. Before long, the whole neighborhood is angry. It might be just a few church members. Before long, if you're not careful and keep it in check, everybody can have a bad attitude. It can spread like a bad infection. It's like the complainer is out there trying to help people see something that they weren't even looking for most of the time. It's kind of like, hey, let me point out this grievance because I want you to be as mad and as miserable as I am. We know that's how it works, amen? It's like when you sit down at the Thanksgiving table and you're eating your dinner, everything uh, tastes really good until the person next to you says, hey, is it just me or is this dressing a little bit dry? I, I mean, a few minutes ago you thought everything was great. Now everybody's got to put gravy on their dressing. I'm, I'm just saying pretty soon nobody is happy. It only takes one person. It only takes one person to bring everybody else down. I only said that because that's exactly what was happening with the people of Israel. There's a group of people that started real small, just a few negative people, complaining, moaning, and groaning. And before long, it's affecting the whole community of people. But at the same time, the opposite of that, it only takes one person to make things go in a positive direction too. Amen? It can go in a negative with negative people, but it can sure go in a positive direction with the right attitude. There are some people that uh, can just see the good in everything. I like those kind of people. I like being around those kind of people because when you walk away from that kind of person, you feel better about everything. They just have a certain way of lifting you up. Well, God knows the impact that gratitude and ingratitude can have on an entire community. So he takes it really seriously. And this isn't the first time that people were complaining about their food. Over in Exodus chapter 16 is a good example of this. They had barely left the driveway they had just got out of Egypt, and already the kids in the back seat, you might say, are complaining. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were the leaders. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to, to starve this entire assembly to death. Do you see what's happening here? They're actually revising history. They're acting like they had a great time in Egypt. They act like they had it made in Egypt, like they just sat around pots of meat all day long and ate meat, like a big fondue party. I mean, they're throwing a big fondue party like they're at Kamakura around a hibachi grill, and they get to pick anything they want. The only problem is they forgot one little item on the list. That slavery thing that they dealt with. They forgot about being knee-deep in the mud. They forgot about uh, making bricks. They forgot about the Egyptian whip against their, their backs. They forgot about that slavery thing. They complain about all these other things, but they don't even mention the slavery. Think about this. The more you complain, the more you're going to find to complain about. Amen? The more we complain, the more we're going to find to complain about. We've all found that to be true. But the Israelites, they kind of go into this complaining mode where they're complaining, they're griping, they're moaning. And the more they do it, the more they do it. The more they complain, the more they complain. They start making up things to complain about, things that aren't even true. Think about what they've got to be complain about, really. I mean, God is raining down manna from heaven. Instead of being thankful for that food, they're complaining because, God, we just don't have meat. Eventually, God reaches his point where he's fed up with their complaining, and it's time for another holy whipping, you might say. 
in verse 18, tell people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed and said, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just a day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and until you loathe it. I think God is basically saying, if you want meat, I'll give you meat. You want something to cry for, I'll give you really something to cry for. And so God says, all right, you're going to eat meat until it's flowing out of your nose because you've been complaining about not having meat. I'm going to give you meat. I believe God's about to teach his people a very valuable lesson on how to be content, how to be grateful, be a thankful people. But I think the thing that they're lacking is actually perspective. Anytime you're complaining, you're actually lacking true perspective on all that you have to be thankful for. That's what we're missing in the midst of our complaining and our moaning and groaning is perspective. And instead of focusing on God and all that He's done, His grace and His mercy, what do we do? We get fixated on what we don't have instead of all that we do have. Or we get fixated on what somebody else has that we don't have. I remember Cheryl and I one time, we went to the movies. We don't go to the movies very often. It was a pretty busy day at the movies. And I love popcorn. I've always got to get in the concession line for my popcorn. So I'm in the concession line about five or six people back. And uh, I see this guy at the front of our line who's up uh, at the counter He's moving his hands like this. He's shaking his head. I hear his voice raised. He's upset with the little girl behind the counter um, uh, about something. I don't know what it is. I just knew he was upset. He goes on and on, and I kind of peek around, and I see her red face. She's upset. He's upset. Finally, he starts walking back after he has his popcorn and his drink in his hand. And for the life of me, it took everything within me not to do this. Stick out my leg and trip that guy. I didn't know what it was about, but then I thought, well, Jesus wouldn't have done that. So finally, I make it up to the front of the line, and she's still red-faced, and I say, well, what was that all about? What was he complaining? What was he upset about? She says, you're never going to believe this. He was upset because I put too much popcorn in his bucket. He said I, he, he thought he was going to spill it on his way into the theater. Right then and there, I said I should have tripped him. <laughs> Jesus would have even tripped that guy. He would have. But I think of that guy. Here he was throwing a fit because he had too much popcorn in his bucket. His bucket was overflowing, and it was ruining his life because he was going to spill it. What problems he has. You know, I remember when he walked by, I shook my head in disgust. Uh, it didn't make him feel worse. It made me feel better. Amen? We shake our head at somebody like that, but yet a lot of times I think we kind of do the same thing. We lose perspective. We lose perspective on how much we have to be thankful for, how blessed we really are. It's like some Sunday mornings aren't this sunshiny, and maybe they're rainy, and you have to walk in from your car into the church, and you get a little bit wet, and you're a little upset, and we totally forget. There are a lot of people that don't have the freedom to go and attend church on a Sunday morning. There are a lot of people that don't have that freedom that are actually risking their life and hiding out so that they can uh, worship and read the Word of God, but we forget all of those risks that they're taking, and we have it so good. We have the freedom to just come in here. I think sometimes we need a perspective adjustment. We've heard of attitude adjustments. We need a perspective adjustment a lot of times. I think one of the reasons why 
So many people, when they come back from a third world country, are so happy to get back to America. I mean, they don't realize how good they have it until you get back. And after seeing what other people don't have, I think they've been given the gift of perspective. I know it's true firsthand. I remember when we went to El Salvador on our mission trip. I remember when we went to Guatemala on our mission trip. I was never so happy to get back to America. I kissed the ground when I got off the plane on one of those things because I made a promise to the rest of my wood. had to stay. But I really felt that in my heart. I was so happy to be home. You know, we took Austin, our son, over to see Becky Hardway in the hospital uh, over in the intensive care unit a few weeks ago in Indianapolis. And to get back to Becky's room, you had to pass all these other rooms, and their doors were open. And you look in there, and you see people suffering from all different kinds of sicknesses and diseases, car wrecks. People are crippled and all alone. And we look at Austin, and his eyes are about as big as half dollars. And Cheryl looks at Austin and says, it makes you feel bad about complaining about anything when you realize all that we have and how blessed we are. It's called perspective. We forget to think about things in the right perspective. I think many of us in the Western world have it better than any other civilization has ever had it. But think about it, we're the most discontent, most ungrateful people on the planet sometimes. I mean, it's sad to hear that, but it's actually true, and I think we need to realize that deep within our hearts this morning. So in our story, even God gets fed up with uh, their complaining, their whining. In Psalms 106, David even talks about this moment in the Psalms, going back in Israel's history. And David said that the people actually stirred up the wrath of God by grumbling in their tents. He said what these people were doing, they would come into the temple and they would worship, but then they'd go back home. Then they'd go back to their tents and they would complain. Well, God finally got fed up with it. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. It said, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you everything that I have heard you say. God is actually saying to them, you keep complaining because you don't think I'm taking good enough care of you. You keep complaining because you think you have such a hard life. Okay, this is how it's going to go down. God basically says, this is what's going to happen. Your bodies are going to fall in this wilderness. Every one of you that's 20 years or older that have been complaining, grumbling against me is going to die. You may not realize it, but this is a big part of why they journeyed around the mountain 40 years. Because God was waiting for that generation of doubters and complainers to die off so that he could accomplish all that he wanted to accomplish for his people. So with God, it was a waiting game. Wait for these complainers to die off so he could fulfill his promise to his people. That's how seriously God takes it. He was willing to wait. So why does he take it so seriously? I think it's because God created you and I, all of us, to be worshipers. But whining is the opposite of worship. Do you realize that? Whining is the total opposite of worship. Complaining is the total opposite of praising. You know, we forget how good God is a lot of times. Worship is giving God glory for who he is and what he wants to do. Whining is the opposite. Whining ignores who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. I would say ingratitude undermines God. If we're not thankful, we're undermining God and all he is and all he wants to be in our lives. Verse 11, Numbers chapter 14. How long will these people treat me with contempt, God says? How long will they refuse to believe in me? 
in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed for them, and he had performed a lot, their lack of gratitude and thanksgiving is a way of treating me with contempt. That's how personally God takes not being thankful. They're treating him with contempt. Think about it. He, slave, he saved his people from slavery. He sent the ten plagues in to force Pharaoh to let them go. He promised them a new day in a new land. When they got hungry, he fed them manna from heaven. When they got thirsty, he brought water from a rock. And yet the theme of his own people was constant ingratitude and complaining. The sun's too hot. The journey's way too long. This food is too bland. Think about how good our God is this morning. Take a moment to think how gracious He has been in your life. And when God has provided so much, and yet we start off our day complaining because we have to get up and go to that job that we don't like, or we get up complaining because the kids aren't getting ready for school like they should, or we get up and look in the mirror and we see one or two wrinkles that we didn't have yesterday, we get upset about it. Or maybe the in-laws came over and they stayed longer than we thought they should. We start off complain when we start off complaining about each day, it's like a picture of God holding back the walls of the Red Sea for His people to cross. And when they get to the other side, they're complaining because they've got mud squishing through their toes. That's kind of what I'm talking about here, complaining even when you've been rescued. Let me just say this, they didn't even have to deal with it. The way I read my Bible, He even took care of that so they wouldn't have to complain. They went across on dry ground. Amen? That's how good of God we have. But let me say this this morning. God is looking for thankful hearts. God's looking for a thankful heart in this world that we live with the right perspective, with the right attitude. I want to close with this. There was a 12-year-old boy, a true story, named David, who was born without an immune system. He underwent a bone marrow transplant to correct the deficiency that he had. Up until that point, he had lived his entire life in this plastic bubble to keep him from coming in contact with germs and bacteria and viruses that could have easily killed him. He had lived never knowing human contact. Well, when he was asked after his operation what he would do if and when he was released from his plastic bubble, he stopped for a minute and he thought, he said, there are two things I want more than anything. He said, I want to walk barefoot across the green grass and I want to hold my mother's hand. It's all about perspective. Where is your perspective today? Where is my perspective? Are we griping and complaining like the Israelites, or are we thankful for every day that we have, and we start looking for blessings instead of looking at the things that aren't going right, and we start thanking God for those blessings? It's all about perspective. And people, we need to get it right. Because we have so much. We have it so good but we express it so little. Amen? We give thanks so little. Again, let me repeat what Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in every circumstance, good, bad, or ugly, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's His will for us in Christ Jesus. I believe He created us to be worshipers. And you really can't be a worshiper unless you have a thankful heart. I believe that with all of my heart. Where you can look past all the things that are going wrong and say, God, I don't really care about all that. I care about you and me. I care about my walk with you. I care about where my heart is with you. I pray that that's the desire of every one of our hearts is we're not so concerned about things around us. But where are you at with your God? 
Where is your perspective at with him in, in, when it comes to being thankful? First of all, especially in this Thanksgiving uh, season, he's looking for thankful hearts. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Do you realize how much we have to be thankful for spiritually? God saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, that left heaven's comfort and came to this earth to die, be, brutin, be beaten and bruised on a cross, to shed his own blood so that you and I could be saved, so that you and I could have not only life, but the Bible says abundant life and beyond that eternal life. We have so much to be thankful for. And in light of his goodness and his grace, I think our prayer really should be the same as that, was, that which was on the headstone. God, forgive me for the days I've not been thankful. God, forgive me for the days I've not been thankful. I'm going to ask us to say that, say that with me. God, forgive me for the days I've not been grateful. Let's say it one more time. God, forgive me for the days I've not been grateful. I want to challenge some of you. You've heard of uh, prayer journals where you write down your prayers. I'm going to ask you, some of you, if you're willing to do it, to start a gratitude journal. From now until Christmas, how about before you turn in for the night, before you go to bed at night, how about having a little notepad, or if you do it on your phone, that's fine, but make a notation of three or four things that you're grateful for, three or four things that you're thankful for. And do you realize that by the time Christmas rolls around, you'll have a whole notebook full of things. You'll have over 100 things to be thankful for. If you'll take me up on this challenge, I believe it can be a great way to change your perspective, change how we look at our situations and how uh, much we have to be thankful for. So I challenge you to do that uh, in this season of Thanksgiving. Because I believe it can change our hearts. Could you bow your hearts in prayer? Father God, first of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that paid the ultimate price of his life for us on that cross. And God, if nothing else good comes out of that except our salvation, God, we're more blessed than we could ever even imagine. And God, I know for many of us, it's hard to keep the right perspective. Some of the challenges and struggles we go through each and every day, Lord God, are overwhelming. But I pray for, the, uh, for us to be able to step back in these next few moments. Reevaluate things, Lord God. Step back from these struggles and realize your goodness and your grace in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that this church would be a church that shines forth its light, even in the worst of times. Because we're not out there complaining and whining. But, Lord God, we're letting you be God. And so, Lord God, help us to be a people who are marked, actually who are known for being grateful and thankful in all circumstances and situations. Father, we need that kind of attitude to get us through each and every day. Father, instead of us looking at the worst, help us look at the best, and that's you. To look at all that you are and all you desire to be in our lives. We give you thanks, Lord, for the many, many blessings that you have poured out in our lives. And help us truly to be thankful in all circumstances. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. God bless you all.